Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. It is the last chapel of the 2009 winter trimester. Congratulate the person next to you for having made it this far. Uh, though you know, and, and a part of part of our worship always includes prayer. I'm assuming that there will be more prayer next week during finals week, maybe than this week. Just making sure. Uh, we have a special guest with us this evening. Uh, it's Pastor Al Pittman, pastor of Calvary Worship Center here in Colorado Springs. Uh, pastor Al is a 1977 graduate of Nazarene Bible College. So would you welcome him? So looking forward to the Lord speaking through you to help us be transformed into Christ-likeness. Right, thanks. So say that phrase with me. We are being transformed into Christ-likeness. Stand and say it with me again. We are being transformed into Christ-likeness. The God who makes it possible is worthy of our praise. Amen? It is amazing that you make it possible for us to walk with you step by step. What a great and awesome God you are. We give you praise. Accept all that we give, we pray. Cleanse all that we offer, we ask. Use all that we do for you and for the sake of your kingdom. We give you praise for the witness of uh, Pastor Pittman, for the, your work of grace in his life. We pray that you will help us hear from you through him, for your sake, for the sake of the kingdom. Then step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my Amen. Good evening. Good evening. It's good to see you all this evening, and uh, just wanted to express my appreciation to Chaplain Like and uh, the faculty and, and uh, Nazarene Bible College for having me come and to share with you this evening. And I'm I'm so honored and privileged in the Lord. And before I go any further, I want to do some take care of some real important business, and that is I want to introduce my wife to you. Uh, There's my wife over here, Norma, and. Um, And um, we've been married for 34 years, and we were married, amen. There's an old picture, if you go into the, probably the library and dust off a 1975 or 76 yearbook, uh, they had a picture of all the newlyweds, and there's a picture of my wife and I in there, and I've got the bell bottoms and the afro, and the, uh, and the plaid jacket with the big bold plaid thing, you know, going on, and uh, <clears throat> we were quite the couple. And uh, so, 
I started school in 74 and we got married in 75 and graduated in 77 and you know back then you didn't have four years it was only three years but uh, I am just so honored there's so many things I want to share with you this evening and uh, just very humbled uh, to be here um, but uh, I just I just thank God for the privilege of uh, being here with you and what I wanted to talk to you about this evening uh, really is about finishing with joy finishing your race in the Lord with joy um, uh, my wife and I are, our two boys are moving out this week <laughs> amen uh, our daughter <laughs> All right, amen anybody bear witness to that some of you older folks amen thank you brother I appreciate it amen and um, we uh, you know, our daughter's married, and you know, and, and her husband's in the military, stationed at Fort Hood, and our two boys are moving out this week, and uh, uh, one of those, then we're going to be getting married off, but um, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying this time. It's like, hey, woo, we're going to finish with joy, baby, amen. This is good. This is good. And uh, God is so faithful. But we talk about the call of God. How many of you are called to ministry, I and mean, you feel like God's calling you to a specific ministry? How many of you called to be pastors? Anybody? Amen. God bless you guys. Are you sure? Amen. When I, when I was here in Nazarene Bible College, I told the Lord, and I didn't know why I was here, and uh, I'll share a little of the story how I got, got here, but uh, um, I remember telling the Lord, I said, you know, it's two things, Lord, you and I, we're tight, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, there's a couple of things I want you to understand about me, God. Number one, I will never be a pastor. Never. You could ne I'll never be a pastor. And number two, I'll never be a janitor. Because when you're in high school, you know, you get out of high school, you think, well, I'm going to have the coolest job, and, and, you know, and I'm going to be the chick magnet and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, you know, you know what God did? He not only made me a janitor while I was going to Bible college, but I was janitor of the year. That's, that's God. That's God. And now I'm pastoring a church. I've been pastoring Calvary Worship Center for 13 years almost, and I'm just saying, look, don't ever tell God what you're not going to do. Amen. But I look back on those lessons, all the things that he taught me and brought me through, uh, you know, it was all for molding me into what he wanted me to be. And so some of you might be in a place where you're feeling like, God, what's going on, and why am I here? And, you know, because I didn't think I was going to ever be a pastor, and and when the district superintendents came in and started signing guys up for churches, and everybody said, you're going you're to preach? You're going to pastor a church? No, not me. And, uh, but God has a way of altering our plans. Somebody said men make their plans, but God directs their steps. Amen. Now, I, 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 you're going to see a miracle tonight because I'm, I'm a 45, 50, 55-minute preacher, and I've got to do this in 18 minutes. <laughs> so when do I need to be done? Uh, I've got 7.52 here. Seven. Now, I want to be asked back maybe in another 20 years. I don't know. I just, um, but, but I want to honor that. So about 15 after? Yeah, okay. All right. We're going to talk about finishing, finishing uh, with joy. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 24. We're going to start there, but then we're going to end up in the book of Numbers. <laughs> Numbers chapter uh, 23. Acts 20, verse 24. And if you hold your finger at uh, Numbers chapter 23, uh, we'll be looking at, we'll end up there in Numbers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. I'm so humbled, dear God, by the opportunity to share your word in this evening. 
I pray, Father, that you would bless your word, that your word would go forth and accomplish your will. There are people here, Father, who are called to ministry, and yet, Father, at a time in history where some would say, you know, uh, uh, you, know you don't want to answer that call. It's too difficult. But, Father, you always have a remnant of men and women that you've called to bless and to honor your name. And I pray, Father, that this word would be a word of encouragement for them this evening. And may Jesus Christ be glorified and no flesh exalted in this place, but only Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, here in uh, Acts chapter 20, actually Acts chapter 20, this text, uh, part of it was my first message when I came, to, uh, came here to uh, pastor the church 13 years ago, and I talked about this, this portion of scripture. And, and basically, many of you know, familiar with it, uh, Paul is uh, um, speaking here, and they're, they're warning Paul about going to Jerusalem at this time in his ministry, and they're going to put you in chains and stocks, and you don't want to go. And Paul said, you know, it's already been told me uh, that every place that I go, that there's going to be trouble for me, you know, where, wherever I go in my ministry. Every town I go into, I'm going to be uh, persecuted. And he's, he says here that uh, uh, in, in verse 20, uh, 20, 23, he says uh, in Acts chapter 20, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulation await me. And I thought about that. You know, boy, how would you like to answer that call to ministry? God says, I want to call you to ministry, but boy, every place you go, chains and tribulation and trouble awaits you. Because, you know, we get into the ministry because it's easy, right? No. Amen. <laughs> You know, no one would in their right mind answer that call unless they're called by God. And if God calls you, you will answer that call. And Paul said, God already told me I've got trouble and tribulation coming. He said, but you know what? Nothing mattered to me, verse 24, but none of these things moved me. Uh, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, I, I love what Paul said. He said, he didn't say that I might finish my race. Because anybody can finish the race. You know, you can finish the race with an attitude. That's not finishing the race. That's not what God calls finishing the race. You know, I did my job. I showed up. I finished. I teached the message, you know. And I remember coming here and, and pastoring the church. And, you know, when you come into a new family, who, who's called to be a pastor? Okay, when you, when you go into your, your first church, you know, uh, they're going to welcome you just like they welcomed Jesus on, the, on, on, uh, on, uh, that, on uh, uh, Palm Sunday. Blessed is he because of the name of the Lord. <laughs> they're just setting you up. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. They're just, they're just setting you up. Because later on, they're going to be saying, crucify him. <laughs> And I just thought about that because, you know, you come in and, and all. And I remember, man, going through a tough time. And I remember getting mad. And some of my sermons had a little bitterness in them, you know. You know yeah, and Jesus said. I said, Jesus said, listen to me. You know. And, and I, got, I was upset with people. And, and I remember God speaking to my heart. He said, if you can't love them, resign. Quit. Right now. Because I don't need you. You need me. And I, boy, I did. Woo, okay. Because you know what, Al, you can preach the sermons and you can do all these things, but I want somebody who wants to finish with joy. I want somebody who wants to finish with joy because you can finish, you can cross the line, you can do your, your duty. But Paul said, I want to finish with joy. And I had no idea when I came into Bible college, I told you, I'll tell you how I got here, I was, I was debating whether to go to, back then it was El Paso Community College. <laughs> And uh, it's now Pikes Peak Community College. But back to El Paso, I was going to go back to El Paso Community College or go to Bible College. I had just gotten saved not to, 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 uh, a few months before, and God was calling me to ministry. 
and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I said, God, you know, speak to me. You know, I don't know. I didn't know how to pray. And I was laying on my bed, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I, I, I believe I heard someone say, go to Bible college. Now, it was about, I don't know, 4.30. The office was going to close at 5. It was the last day of registration, you know, that kind of thing. I ran down here. I mean, I lived in Pikes Peak Park, drove down here in my little whoopty, you know, pulled up and, and went in there. Next thing I knew, you know, half an hour later, I'm running out with a stack of books and a full scholarship, and I had no idea how I got there. I had no idea how to run this race or how to finish with joy. I had no I, I was just like, huh? Huh? <laughs> You know, and, and God opened the door. One thing I noticed about Paul is Paul had a commitment to Jesus Christ above ministry. Some people are in love with the ministry, but they're not in love with God. They love to preach, and they love people to sit there and look at them and, and all, but they don't love Jesus. And then they get out into the ministry and <laughs> it ain't cracked, ain't what it's all cracked up to be, you know. And then they get discouraged because their love of the Lord. See, you can't run with joy if you don't have a love for Jesus. And Paul said, I, none of these things matter to me. The only thing that really matters to me is that I finish my race because I'm in love with Jesus. And because I'm in love with Jesus, I can finish with joy. And so he's going to finish with joy. He was committed to finishing with joy. I, I like the uh, United States Marine Corps uh, recruitment slogan that I once read that said, we don't accept applications, only commitments. I like that. There's too many people applying for the ministry. Too many people applying in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I want to fill out an application for the minute. No, 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 you better be committed to something higher than... You better be committed to Christ. God is looking for people who are committed, not applicants. Only the committed can finish with joy. Now, having said that, Paul also understood that his commitment was not based upon his ability to perform. His commitment is based upon God's inability to fail. His commitment is not based on his ability to do something for God. It's the fact that God called you, and it's God's inability to fail. Let me tell you, I've been in ministry for a long time. Didn't just start pastoring then at 13 years ago, but been doing evangelism and, and outreach and all these different things, an assistant pastor for many years and all of that. Finally came up here in 1997 to pastor the church with my beautiful wife and, and our children and all. But you know what? Let me tell you, I've gone through a lot of things, and I've seen a lot of failure in my life. And if my ministry was based upon my performance alone, I couldn't make it. But I have learned that I'm standing here today because of my father's inability to fail me. For even when you are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So Paul said, you know, Paul's not saying, yeah, I, you know, I can go to Jerusalem because I can handle it. <laughs> no, he's not. He's trusting in God's inability to fail him. For he knows that, he said, I know who I have believed and I am persuaded. Are you persuaded tonight? He is able to keep what you've committed to him against that day. In Numbers chapter 23, now we go to the Old Testament. Amen. I love the Old Testament. 
If you haven't developed a love for the Old Testament, do so. <laughs> learn, learn, learn a lot about the Father's character, his love, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. But in the story of Balaam, you know the story, old Balak, you know, was trying to get Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And, um, you know, uh, he, he uh, tried three times. And on the second try, here in Numbers chapter 23, you know, uh, uh, Balaam was a, the, a diviner, uh, someone that worked in the, you know, uh, uh, was able to prophesy and do these different things. He was an interesting character, but he could curse people and all of these things. But he also had a relationship with God that is interesting. God would speak to Balaam. And so uh, uh, here we find Balak trying to curse the children of Israel because he, he thought they were imposing upon his nation and were a threat to him. And he wanted to curse the children of Israel. And he had hired Balaam, this diviner, to curse the children of Israel. And his first attempt, you know, uh, rather than curse them, you know, Balaam uh, blessed them. Second attempt, he Rather than curse them, he blesses them again. And here in verses 20 to 24, here's my point, is that we find here in verses 20 to 24, in, in uh, Numbers chapter 23, uh, a, three truths, really, upon which uh, we can commit our race uh, to the Lord. Uh, three truths uh, which, which enable us to not only run the race, and to finish the race, but to finish the race with joy. And Balak uh, asks Balaam to curse the children of Israel and, and Balaam's response and part of his response in verse 20, he says, behold, I, I have received a command to bless. He, that is God, has blessed and I cannot reverse it. And when God blesses a life, you know, the enemy can't reverse it. And then he said, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and, he sh and the shout of a king is among them. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox, and there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. Verse 24. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lets itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Well, what do I mean here about three aspects or three truths by which we can run our race and, yes, by which we can finish with joy? There are three truths that I find here that I want to leave with you tonight. Number one is this. There is a king within your camp. Wherever you are camped right now, tonight, wherever, whatever you're going through in your, 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 your walk with the Lord, wherever you are enduring or pressing through, there is a king in your camp. Uh, you know, he said, I can't curse these people. They're blessed because, you know what? There's a king in their camp. And the king that we have in our camp is, the, is King Jesus. And the Bible says here in verse 21, there's a king within, within the camp. And this king, there's a, he says, not only a king, there's a shout among them. The king is saying something. And I believe that Paul the apostle relied upon the grace of God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because he knew that there was a shout within his life, within his camp, no matter where he ended up in Jerusalem or wherever he was, that the victory of the Lord was there with him. There's a king within his camp. The shout of a king, a savior, 
It's what sustained Paul the Apostle, not his performance. And it's a shout of a king, God's great grace that will sustain you as well. When you look at the 40-year history of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness, it's amazing. Have you ever done a little study of that? You looked at what they've gone through and all. Man, these people were, were incredible. Uh, there are all kind of incidents of, of rebellion and murmuring and complaining uh, uh, against the Lord. They weren't the most faithful people. But there was a shout within their camp. There was a king among them. God had placed a call upon them that the enemy could not reverse. In the midst of this shout, there is a king of righteousness in your camp. A king of righteousness that stands for you which is able to sustain you, you're going to go through some tough times. I, I wish I was the bearer of better news, but I'm just here to tell you that you're going to go through some tough times, but God uses those times to mold you and to shape you into the person that he needs you to be for his glory. For we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus, created for his good pleasure. I'm not in the ministry for my good pleasure. Amen. Because there's some people you meet in the ministry you want to shoot. Amen. I'll, I'll move on. But you're in it for his good pleasure. Lord, it's about you. It's not about me. And you recognize no matter where I'm, what I'm going through, what I'm enduring, or whatever I have to put up with, well, there's a shout within my camp. I can persevere because the king is in my camp. And what is that shout? Oh, I believe the shout is to telestai. I believe the shout is it is finished. Because my righteousness is not of me, it's of Christ. My righteousness is of the king of kings and lord of lords. Don't ever begin to measure yourself by your performance. It's his performance alone. His performance alone. He said, it is finished. And so when the devil says, what's your qualification? Who do you think you are? You say, it is finished. There's a king that shouts in my camp. No matter what you're going through. Here's the second thing. I'm going to move on here. Got to get you, get you out of here. All right. <laughs> the second thing is in verses 22 and 23. He says, and God brings them out of Egypt, and he has strength, and he has strength like a wild ox. He said, for there is no sorcery against Jacob and no divination against Israel. It, it, it now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. Now, what is that all about? He's basically saying, no weapon can stop us. No weapon can stop me. No weapon can stop us. And Balaam, Balaam prophesied. He said, God is with them. He's among them. God is with you. Amen. Oh, you can finish with joy because God is with you. No weapon can stop you. Romans 8, 31 says, and if God is for us, then who can be against us? And Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. We know those scriptures. We think about those scriptures, but sometimes it seems in the midst of the heat of the battle, we forget those scriptures. That God is for me. That no weapon formed against me will prosper. God said, I made the man who's making the, 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 the iron. I made the iron. I made everything. And I control even the blow that comes against you. And therefore, no weapon will form against you will prosper. So he says here, and there is no sorcery against Jacob. There's no divination against it. I can't say nothing against these people. They're blessed of God. Every voice that rises up against you, Isaiah says, that you would be able to bring down. If God before you, who can be against you? And listen, God showed me a long time ago. He said, listen, no one can do anything about you until I'm finished with you. No one can do anything about you until I'm finished with you. You walk in that boldness and authority. That I'm God's man. I'm God's woman. And you can't do, I'm sorry, you're going to have to like me. 
you got to love me. <laughs> because, because, you know, I can't leave until God's done with me, you know. And God says, no one can do anything against you until I'm finished with you. And listen, the, the, the reason God does this is not so that you can look all big and bad and, and boast and, and yourself and all that. The reason he does this is found right here in Scripture. It says right here in the latter part of verse 23, oh, what God has done. That's what it is about, his glory, not yours. That's why he chooses the foolish things, the weak things, that the glory might be of him and not of you. you oh, I'm in Bible college because I'm really pretty bright and, you know, what God needs me and I've answered the call and I, I know God really appreciates me answering the call and taking the time out to be one of his servants. He chooses the weak things. In fact, I know God chose me to be a pastor because he looked around the congregation and said, who's the weakest? Oh, you, you're a pastor. <laughs> because weak people have to depend on God. And he wants somebody who's going to be utterly dependent upon him. You know, <laughs> I always tell the story sometimes. I think I can get this in pretty quick. Uh, uh, when I was a little kid, I was pretty uh, evil. And um, <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. And... Um, my mom, there was some Easy Off. Remember Easy Off oven cleaner, the pasty kind that you just paste on the side? I mean, like, it was just pure poison. That was back in our generation. People just had poison in the house. Well, I, it, it tastes pretty good, though. So I got some Easy Off, and I, I was eating a little bit of it, and then my brother came and said, what are you doing? And so I said, this is easy. You know, why don't you eat some? And, and, and of course, I gave him two big old spoonfuls, and I had a little bit. Anyway, we ended up in the hospital, <laughs> and they had to give us castor oil and milk. To get it out of our system, amen. <laughs> and, and so, you know, but I'm thinking in heaven, God's probably thinking, you know, I need someone to pastor the church in 1997 down there, Calvary Worship Center. Yeah, well, Lord, we've got a few candidates, a list here, some really good guys, some PhDs. And some, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm looking around the earth and uh, to and fro for somebody I can use. Hey, who's the kid over there eating the easy off? <laughs> Him, that's the one. I'm sure the angels are going, what are you doing? I think the old guy's losing it. But God chooses the foolish things, the, the weak things, so that the world might look and say, oh, what God has done. Verses 20 and 24, actually we read 24, 20 already, but the last reason why I can finish with joy is not only because there's a king in the camp, because no weapon can stop me, but my ultimate end is victory. In verse 24, he says, look, if people rises like a, like a lioness and, and, and lifts itself up like a lion, it shall, make, it shall not lie down until it devours the prey, until victory, and drinks the blood of the slain. In other words, he's speaking about complete victory. These people, I can't curse these people. Balak, these people are so blessed. They're like a lioness. They're rising up. They will have the ultimate victory. You see, we can, we can run knowing that an irrevocable, irrevocable, irrevocable victory is in Christ. God has given you a, a victory that the devil can do nothing about. You can put yourself down if you want to. You can be depressed. You can do that. But God never stops loving you. And God is for you. And there's a victory he's given to you that the devil cannot take away from you. And, and, and Jesus said it best, he said in John 16, 33, he said, These things I have spoken to you, uh, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but behold, you already have victory. I've overcome the world. 
And we walk with that attitude and say, my ultimate end, I know I'm going through some stuff right now, I'm going through some things right now, but your ultimate end is victory. I know I hear people saying, you know, I'm really going through hell. My, my answer to them is, you know what, keep going. The problem is when we build our house there. The problem is, is doing, you know, I'm going through hell. Don't build your house there. Keep going, for because this too shall pass. Because the ultimate end of my race is victory. And I can run with joy. And Paul possessed a confidence that rested in God's sovereign command to be blessed. To be blessed. Isaiah 26.3, many of you know this. You will keep him in perfect peace who keeps his mind stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. I'm trusting in my victory in Christ. Lord, I'm resting in you. We can run, or we can run with joy. Not looking at ourselves in the mirror as we run. Looking at our performance, but with our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Here's three things that I want you to think about applying in a practical way in conclusion. Number one, never give up on God's love because God's love never gives up on you. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Romans 8 says, there's nothing that will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's, that's, that's in concrete, folks. That's never going to change. And I've seen ministers who have messed up big time. God still loves them. If we're repentant, if we return to him, God will love them. Well, he never stopped loving them. Don't give up on God's love. There's always a king in your camp. Here's the second thing. Rely upon his strength. Rely upon God's strength. His strong arm was able to bring Israel out of Egypt. His strong arm is able to bring you out of whatever you're going through right now. The strength of the Lord. Never give up on God's love. Number two, rely on his strength. Number three, keep a view of the end so you can have joy in the present. Jesus did. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. He was focused on you and me coming to him through faith in him, and he was able to continue to run the race. And let me end with this verse. In Jude, the book of Jude, the New Testament, verse 24 and 25, says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Finish with joy. J-O-Y. This is my little acronym. It's kind of corny, but I like it. Jesus, our yoke. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Don't ever stop loving Jesus. If you stop loving Jesus, you have lost your ministry. Love him above the, before the ministry. Love him before yourself. Love him and love him. Know that he's for you and you will finish with joy. Father, we thank you so much for your word. May it hit its mark. May it accomplish its purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.